you likely have not found your way here unwittingly. Uh, you almost definitely know that this is Fangraph's audio. Uh, because you have excellent taste in music, you know that those are the dulcet tones of Herb Alpert and the Tumana Brass. Uh, and there's also uh, a small but distinct possibility uh, that you know that I'm Carson Sestouli, uh, and this is, as I say, Fangraph's audio. In this particular edition of Fangraph's audio, I talked to Sam Miller of the OC Register. Even if you are not a particularly big fan of the Los Angeles Angels, and even if you rarely make your way to the OC Register's baseballing web pages, it's still quite possible that you're familiar with Sam himself, having read his work uh, maybe at the Getting Blanked blog uh, as part of Canada's The Score website, uh, maybe as part of Baseball Prospectus, or perhaps you're familiar with Sam Miller, Twitter sensation. If you are familiar with him, uh, you're probably familiar that he is both thoughtful uh, and also funny. In what follows, uh, Sam and I discuss how he made his way to covering the Angels for the OC Register, what exactly his obligations are to Sam, uh, and we even accidentally, uh, but only occasionally, uh, talk about baseball itself. Let us waste no more time in preamble, though, and go right to my interview with the OC Register's Sam Miller. My guest today is, tonight, uh, in fact, is uh, Sam Miller. Sam Miller writes for the Orange County Register. Uh, he's a resident, I believe, although not a uh, not a native son of the Long Beach, California area. And uh, he's joining us, uh, hopefully, on the other line. Sam, are you there? Yeah, I'm here. Hi, Carson. Good, hi. Uh, what, uh, wait, where are you from originally? I'm from uh, just south of San Jose, Costa Rica. Yeah, I've, uh, in fact, Costa Rica is an island in the... Uh... No, there's really a town called Costa Rica? <laughs> there's uh, Well, there's a town called San Jose in Costa Rica, but... Wait. Oh. Is there I, not? I see, what you, I see what you're doing. You're making, you, were, you were making a joke. I feel like there must be a town called San Jose in Costa Rica, because that joke sounds like I've heard it a million times. Okay, because I hadn't heard that joke before. Uh-huh. Is that like a California thing? Is that California funny? Uh, you tell me if it was funny. Let's move on. You wait. So you're, but you are from San. You're from the San Jose area in California. Yeah. yeah. What are you trying to say? Um. Uh, now, so you're so you're a Giants fan. I am. Yeah. You're, you're by birth. You're a Giants fan, but you write about the Angels. Is there any conflict there? No, no. There's no conflict. I, I, um, uh. Yeah, there's not any conflict at all. I mean, I don't think there would be any conflict if I were an Angels fan either. I, I, it doesn't really matter, um, I don't think. I think it probably informs the way I, I do my job a little bit to have so much emotion attached to a different team. Uh, but, uh, no, and, and I, I, I have come to, um, to admire the Angels in a lot of ways and, uh, and to get frustrated by them in a lot of ways. Uh, I think so, they would, for example, a team to which you had an allegiance. Exactly. Yeah. There's. Uh, yeah. That that sort of just develops naturally when you watch the games. I think. All right. So let's talk about uh, just very briefly uh, how we know each other. We know we met uh, in fact at um, uh, the most recent I think uh, Saber Conference, Saber 41. You uh, you were there I think because it's in your it was in Long Beach. So I don't know. Did you? Uh, is that your that was that your first one? That was my first one. Yeah. 
And and I'm actually I'm drawing I'm drawing a blank. I, I think I remember you. You were the guy in the in in your eighties. You, you're in your eighties. Oh my god. Is that right? Yeah. What do you is this? Are you trying out stand up material right now? You got your Costa Rica joke. You got your I don't know. I forget how old you are. Joke. <laughs> my, my ageist Carson Sisterly joke. Yeah. No. Yeah. We're, you're right. We we met at Saber, <laughs> and while most people were in their eighties, you were not, and uh, neither was I. And right. so we stood out, and um, yeah, and I guess you could say we found each other. Yeah, we did. We found each other. Um, so, oh. and that was your first. That was your first saber conference. Uh, but you. But so, what is? Um, I, I, I guess so. So, what did you think? I mean, what, what did you think about the whole experience? Uh, I liked it a lot. I mean, I I enjoyed it. Uh, I mean, I think you can separate the uh, the actual curriculum, the schedule. Uh, it, it, and and you can talk about how just how it is as a as an occasion. It's it's fun to go and talk about baseball with people who want to talk about baseball, and uh, meet a lot of people who you only know as a uh, you know as a as a writer as a as a as a name attached to stories. Um, so that was really exciting. And um, you know my uh, I don't know I I don't uh, I, I work mostly from home, and uh, so I don't actually get to have in-person conversations about baseball as much as as you would think and as much as I would like and so it was it was great I mean I had a great time and then and then separate from that I thought that the program was was very strong and uh, it's incredibly nerdy in a way that um, makes you feel instantly included um, there's I mean some of those um, presentations were just so amazingly obscure that um, that uh, you know uh, nerdy in a slightly different way than uh, I guess. I guess not like nerdy. Nerd. Nerdery. Yeah, no, more like. Uh, well, I was going to say not even nerdy. More like more like uh, geeky. Um, there, there's a, what's the distinction then? Well, I think that I think geeky uh, implies more of like a uh, obsessive fascination with something. Uh, nerdy implies just uh, social awkwardness, and uh, nerdiness is a, a byproduct often of geekiness because one is so. Uh, uh, attached to a particular uh, hobby that they don't uh, invest as much time in their social skills, but it's not necessary. And I, I think that uh, I think a lot of those fans would be described probably as, as more geeks. Geek in the uh, in the verb sense to to geek out on something. Oh, to geek out, right? Yeah, it's a uh, what do they call it? like a compound verb or uh, whatever it means, and you you have a uh, a preposition with it. The um no, yeah, I agree with that. Do you it's not of, a it's not a gerund. No, it's definitely not a gerund. Do, you know, for me, those sorts of events, while I did, uh, yeah, while I did enjoy um, some of the programs, for me, the, definitely the most fun part was uh, going to a couple baseball games with other baseball nerds, and also uh, the hotel bar afterward. Not that I, I never really, I wasn't throwing any back. I, I, I was actually slightly sick. I was like. Ten percent sick. Oh, I didn't um, notice. No, no, I, I, I'm still on my game. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but uh, no, but it, I really enjoy the, the sort of social, the socializing aspect. I mean, you got to see, uh, you know, D- uh, Dave Cameron, Dave Alpman, uh, and, yeah. and uh, I got to meet you, which was great. Um, Jeff Young, who uh, uh, is down in uh, San Diego and runs the uh, Buck Snort or Ducks Duck Snort uh, Duck Snort. Duck snort, yeah. Duck snort. Duck snort. Yeah. I right. think duck snorts. I think it's plural. Duck snorts, right, right, right. A, a blog about the uh, the Padres. Um, 
And just assorted other uh, people, I'm sure. Well, of course, Rob Nyer was uh, was there, and uh, I enjoy seeing Rob. And um, yeah, no, th- it was a great conference if you were looking to name drop uh, one month later. <laughs> yeah, that was the main point I was trying to make. No, yeah. I'm saying it you because you feel like you're part of a community at that point. Which, yeah, as you mentioned, when you're writing from home all the time, it's not necessarily something you feel. No, not at all. And you're convinced that everybody hates you a lot of the time. Are you convinced uh, people hate you? Uh, a lot of the time. But, what is your, what, uh, where do you get that from? Comments or people responding to your tweets or what? No, no, no. D- darkness in my childhood, uh, mostly. Uh, so it just has, it actually really has nothing to do with reality. It's, it's all just from, from the, right out of the womb. Yeah, right. Well, and, I mean, if you're not in, um, uh, you know, if you're not looking at them face to face, you you don't have the, the the normal cues to comfort yourself with. I mean, it's not a big problem. I don't want to imply that that this is like a driving factor in my life. I'm just saying that it's nice to meet people and to feel like, uh, you know, there's warmth. There's warmth. Yeah, exactly. There's warmth. Exactly. That's exactly right. It's human connection. Yeah. Always connect. Always be connecting. Yeah. No. Like. Right. And I think that um, I was actually having this conversation uh, just last night. Uh, I went to a Madison Mallard's baseball game with the Common Man with uh, Internet's the Common Man. Are you, are you oh, that's exciting! Yeah, yeah. What's what? That's let's see. That I'm jealous. That sounds great. Yeah. Uh, so we went to this Madison Mallard's game, and um, which is a it's a Woodback College League, kind of a, not a huge step down, but a step down from the Cape Cod League. Um, and uh, you know, we were there together, and uh, we were talking about right the the sort of the vir- virtual virtual friendships, uh, sort of, uh, or, or for example, one thing he invoked was watching a game, a baseball game, while on Twitter. So you're in your home, but you're also on Twitter at the same time. Right, right. And the sort of pleasures that that provides, and you know, when when you're part of a virtual community like that, you don't have the human contact, and I I would submit that that's a drawback. But at the same time. You're able to find people who have the same um, intensity of interest as you, which is rare. I, you know, I think that, you know, among the baseball nerd community, it's hard to just go to a bar and find that. You know, so but when you're on Twitter, you, you know, you can. You, there's a certain um, level of understanding. Um, it, that you know, and it, it's a, it, you know, it becomes a community from that way in a way that you couldn't necessarily form, for example, on Long Beach, maybe. Yeah. No, I agree with that. Yeah. So that's interesting. I, I, I mean, I, that's what that, but it's but it's interesting when you meet those people too. You all sort of assemble. Okay. So we did. So so that was the thing. It, now let's talk about your job a little bit. I. You, what do you? You are not technically the the Angels beat writer for the OC Register. Right. I would I would say that I'm not technically and also not in practice. I am in no way the Angels beat writer we, for the no Orange. One could, no one should confuse. But you are a person who writes, I believe, exclusively about baseball and is also employed by a paper. Yes, and also goes and – I mean, I do many of the, the, tasks, the, the tasks of a beat writer, uh, but it, it's not my beat. Uh, the, the beat is, is Bill Plunkett's, and there's no confusion about that. I'm Bill Plunkett's uh, backup, and so uh, when he needs somebody to cover a game because he's covered a lot of games in a row, then I cover those games. And so I, I do many of the same tasks. But if a story slips through the cracks, uh, you know, I don't, um, 
Like, I, like I, I've had a lot of beats in my life on on other topics, on non-sports topics, and there's a uh, the, it's a much different uh, emotional um, experience than than what I do. And what I do is um, is somewhere between uh, uh, like being a stringer, uh, like a, like a, a fill-in uh, game story writer, and then also just being a blogger for our site and an ambassador to the outside world. If that makes sense. Um, the idea of being an ambassador is funny. Yeah. Pa- Everybody throughout history, ambassadors have always been our nation's greatest comedians. That's a fact. There's a hundred percent correlation. Um, I don't know. I only know actually one ambassador. Who Ever. is he? Uh, his name is uh, Larry Pope. He was the ambassador. I dated his daughter. I didn't know uh. him as much as I knew his daughter. What was he the ambassador to? You know, Chad. <laughs> 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 is that true? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was the ambassador to Chad and um, Lawrence Pope. And he was given, was when Clinton was president, he was given, uh, uh, he was promoted, I guess, to, I believe, Kuwait. I could be wrong, but I believe he was promoted to Kuwait, which just seems like a good ambassadorship. But I believe it was actually blocked by a near-dead uh, Strom Thurmond. I don't know how uh, that works. I, I, I was young and also didn't care. So, would you believe that? Would you believe that Lawrence Pope is the only ambassador to Chad since uh, 1970 to have his own Wikipedia page? I don't know that I would. That's true. Is it true? Yeah. What does it say about Lawrence Pope? I'll read it. I'll read it, and uh, and we'll see if if anybody's still listening after I read it. I'm going to read a Wikipedia entry about the ambassador to Chad. <laughs> yeah. Lawrence. Okay. Yeah. Do it. Oh, how long is it? Get the kids. <laughs> All right, here we go. Lawrence Everett Pope II. I agree with that. <laughs> retired U.S. Ambassador to Chad. Uh, Pope held a number of senior posts in the Department of State. He was Director for Northern Gulf Affairs, Associate Director for Counterterrorism, U.S. Ambassador to Chad, and Political Advisor to General Zinni, uh, U.S. Marine Corps Commander-in-Chief of United States Central Command. Yeah, Tony Zinni. Uh, uh, Tony Zinni, yeah, there you go. Yeah. Uh, in 2000, he was, uh, President Clinton nominated him for ambassador to Kuwait, but he did not receive the appointment from Congress. Ambassador Pope retired from U.S. Foreign Service on August 2nd, 2000, after 31 years of service. He continues to, <laughs> he continues to consult with various institutions and is a respected Arabist. Uh, which, by the way, Arabist has its own Wikipedia page if you want some follow-up reading. Uh, a graduate of Bowden College. Bowden. Bowden. Wow, you're Bowden. definitely not from the East Coast, yeah. Uh, or uh, or a college type. Uh, Pope ha- also had advanced studies at Princeton. Is that am I pronouncing that one right, Carson? Oh, you, oh man, we're gonna come to electronic. We're gonna come to virtual fisticuffs. And is a grad. I'm almost done. And is a graduate of the U.S. Department of State Senior Seminar, a senior fellow at the Armed Services uh, Armed Forces Staff College. He speaks Arabic and French and resides in. Portland, Maine. Portland, Maine. He's the eldest son of Medal of Honor recipient Major Everett P. Pope. Who I knew daughter, as well. <laughs> daughter, not, daughter not mentioned. Yeah, right. No, but she was. Uh, she's also. Uh, she's. A, she's a great lady, and in fact, is getting. Uh, is getting married. Uh, 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 soon, very soon, and I'll be attending that wedding, and uh, every, we all get along with each other. Oh, that's great. Yeah, my wife. Did you? Did you ever live in Portland, Maine? You know, I didn't. Um, I did live in. Um, uh, Kenny Bunkport, Maine. My mom, uh, my mom is from Maine, and I lived up near there. And in fact, my own grandfather attended 
Bowden College. Bowden. Bowden. Yeah. What do you mean you're not the college type? What does that mean? Well, uh, I didn't, uh, well, I didn't go to a, uh. College? You went to, no, you went to, you, you went to, like, what? You went to, like, Exeter or something? Before college? You went to, you and Eno Saris went to. No, we went like, to, uh, right, we went to Milton Academy. Little Lord Fauntleroy's something or I other. I see what you're doing. I see what you're doing. You're, you're doing, like, a reverse classes, classism type thing. I'm appealing to the uh, larger segment of the audience, I imagine. I think you probably are. We're gonna, at the end of this, we're going to take a vote. Who has higher approval ratings? You're going to win. You will always, you'll always win that. I mean, with, you know, versus me, at least. I don't, yeah, I don't know about everyone, but uh, um, yeah. So, so, so that's it. So we read, we just read a Wikipedia article online or on uh, on the air. <laughs> that's good. Good radio. How did we get there? Oh, yeah. Why were we talking about ambassadors? Oh, right, we're talking about ambassadors. You are an ambassador, but you're an ambassador to Orange County f- sports fans, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I um, I think that uh, I don't know if ambassador is is exactly the right word. Uh, I, I'm trying to. I'm I'm afraid I'm going to use the wrong word, and you're going to date have dated somebody's daughter who was also that, and then we're going to have to read out with the face. But I mean, like, I guess what I guess what I would say is that, um, like, uh, I'm uh, uh, I'm a conversation starter, or like a uh, a person who is who is charged with going out into the world and bringing people back to us. Oh, okay. Um, so, so like a POW situation. You collect POWs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, so we'll talk about a memorable post of yours. So, uh, certainly the one, the one that probably most sticks out in my mind is, uh, was directly uh, after the uh, Vernon Wells trade, which saw the Blue Jays send Vernon Wells and Scott Downs? Uh, no, Scott Downs was signed uh, oh, independently. Okay. Just Vernon Wells to the Angels in exchange for um, Juan Rivera and Mike Napoli. Is that accurate? That's right. And you did uh, a funny thing, um, which was to, I believe, go to the comment threads at both uh, maybe Halo's Heaven and Blue Jay Banter, Bluebird Banter. Is this still a fact? Are these facts? Yes. Okay. You're on a roll. Yep. And you collected all the words that were being used in the comment threads, and you made a word cloud. Uh, and gotcha. which is, I don't, I don't know what the exact terminology, but words that were used more frequently were bigger. Is that native to all word clouds? Um, yeah. Right. I think so. And there, there wasn't a lot of writing, but the idea was, the idea was very. Um, Fun. It was it was a breezy idea, and it was it was a pleasure just to have hap- that it happened. And you were the man responsible for it. I, I wonder is that indicative of most of the stuff you're doing over there? Uh, that's I mean that's obviously one of my uh, I mean that's a good day. Um, I mean you, you know trying you know how it is trying to be creative like two days in a row uh, can be very difficult. Yeah, or but, two yeah, days I mean, in a row like a like uh, I was creative. I did something creative last year. Uh-huh. Right, and then it's there's sort of a hangover effect where you're kind of nervous that you, you're. I mean, basically, uh, you're like the Wonder Boys, right? You you uh, you get frozen, you get paralyzed, and uh, and you feel like you shouldn't have to do it twice. Uh, or like a so, caveman I mean, lawyer. Yeah, like a caveman lawyer. Right. Is this a is it, you're talking about this Phil Hartman character? 
Right. Un- well, he was unfrozen. We saw him after he was unfrozen, but he was frozen for a while. Uh huh. Like you mentioned. Um, I, I'm not sure I get that analogy, but uh, it's but, no less uh, funny than your Costa Rica joke, though. I, uh, Costa Rica, by the way, the capital is San Jose. Uh, you are actually just browsing the internet as we talk. Is that true? I'm fact-checking this conversation. <laughs> Let's. But uh, to sorry. answer your question, look, I, I didn't want to get away. I mean, look, I uh, to answer your question, which was a fine question. Yeah, I mean, that is that is sort of the idea. Is that instead? I mean, uh, there's a guy who does the game story. Uh, I'm not needed to do the game story, and so I'm uh, charged with uh, trying to do it in different ways. And so there's a lot more. Uh, there's a lot more stuff that um, is kind of weird or that, uh, you know, aspires to be different, um, and there are animated GIFs or it's more GIFs. Inter- is it more inter- it's more internet-y. It's more internet-y. That's exactly right. Right. More internet-y. Right, and w- which I think is smart. I mean, it, to me, it shows foresight. Now, uh, are, are you having your druthers right now so far as employment goes? Is this your druthers? And I, I'm not asking you to... I, I'm not asking you at all to um, to insult, insult your employer or anything like that, but like if you, if you had your ideal situation, um, I mean, short of just being paid to be Sam Miller, what, what what does that look like? Is it very different from what you're doing right now? Mm, it's probably not. I mean, uh, every uh, every job uh, every job after about three weeks. Uh, Maybe two uh, sucks. Mm-hmm. Um, like every single one, because there's expectations that you put on yourself, or there are uh, demands that are put on you that you start to bristle against. We're, you know, we're 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 bred to to want to be free, and so there's an element of it, of course, that stresses me out. I guess what I guess yes, it is it is as it is as good of a job as you could possibly have. It also does stress me out, and there. I mean, I look forward to my vacation, um, and I don't look forward to. Uh, my vacation ending, uh, but no, the job is amazing. It, it's one of the nice things about it is that um, a lot of what I write is uh, either stat heady or um, like kind of um, uh, internetty um, or memey uh, or whatever word um, you want to describe those as. But uh, it's sort of uh, is something that my uh, my my editors and my um, Coworkers, they sort of just appreciate that it's not appealing to them, and so they they don't um, they don't. Th- th- there's a lot less oversight than I've had in previous writing jobs, and that's really welcome um, because it, it it's. Um, I mean, it can be stressful to write for an editor, and my editors give me a lot of space and a lot of free reign to do whatever I think is going to work, uh, and so that might be actually my favorite part of it. Besides the the fact that I mean it's just it's, it's a ludicrous job where I um, write about baseball all the time. Right. Well, that's a good job. Now, what um, what? How did you get there though? I know at some point you wrote about autism. Yeah. In fact, just just before I moved to sports, I wrote about I, I started at the Orange County Register right out of college, um, and I was a like a news reporter, so I covered. First, I covered some um, small towns, and then I covered uh, education countywide for a bunch of years. And then I moved into features writing, and I did features writing for a while. And then I uh, I took on I decided to, to to pitch autism as a as an entire beat. So I did that for about six months, 
And uh, then at the end of that, once I sort of expired everything that, uh, all the directions we wanted to go with that, then uh, it just so happened that a friend of mine who had been moved over from news to sports uh, wanted to bring me over to sports to uh, have a person who had a little bit different of a voice. And so he asked me if I wanted to come over, and I uh, went over. So that was about two years ago. And that, were you die? I mean, were you dying to be a sports writer at that point, or were you? No, it, it never occurred to me uh, at all. Really? Yeah, really. I mean, if you told me that I could have jumped right into it without any of the um, the career path that most sports writers have, then I might have thought about it. But I didn't think that, was, which is what happened. But I didn't think that was a possibility. That doesn't happen. I mean, normally the, the the path to writing about baseball, major league baseball, at a newspaper is you start in high school sports, uh, covering high school volleyball, high school tennis, and then you gradually move up into better high school beats, and then after you know a number of years, if you keep getting promoted, then eventually you get into pro sports, and then eventually you get into a pro sport that you actually like. And um, so my experience wasn't in, in that, and so it didn't ever occur to me that, that I would be allowed to move right into writing about baseball. So I mean, it was really just a fortunate thing. I, like I don't know that that they would have thought to do this a week earlier or a week later, but you know he had that idea that day, and we made it happen really quickly. Well, that's exciting. I think so. Yeah. Um. Now, wait, let's back to autism, though. You said okay. you pitched that as a beat. So it's like if I open up the Orange County Register, whatever, two years ago. I mean, what do I see? I see like, you know, what do I see? World news, metro section. You know, life, and then the autism section. No, I mean the stories would have been uh, interspersed within those three sections. I had there was an autism blog that I ran, uh, so I would write you know four or five posts every day on that, and then I would do a couple of larger stories every week that would run in the in in the, in the print paper. And yeah, some of them would be news stories, and some of them would be um, re- you know reacting to various national autism news items, and some of them would be um, like a lot of features, a lot of features about um, the autism community, which obviously was growing quite a bit at the time, and um, features about um, some of the science behind it and some of the people who were working locally to uh, you know educate. Or I mean, there's about a million different ways you can go with it. How did you get interested in autism to begin with? Um, uh, well, when I was um, I was a features writer with the like families section, families, I don't know, it's not a section, it's like the the families beat. I was a feature writer and I was writing a lot of stories about teenagers and about children and about um, various family services. And I went and did a feature story on a woman who was, uh, had sort of become very famous um, in the autism community for, she she was basically the woman who got Jenny McCarthy into the scene. Do, Do you know about this whole Jenny McCarthy into the scene thing? Uh, I sort of. I know that she's kind of associated with it. Yeah, she's she. Yeah, Jenny McCarthy's been trying to convince everybody not to vaccinate their kids because she thinks that it causes autism, and she thinks that you can be cured by doing these alternative treatments. And um, so the woman who got Jenny McCarthy into it is this sort of really kind of like a firecracker uh, who lived near me. So I, I did a, a fairly long feature about her and about um, you know how. She's done all this stuff, and yet, you know, she's, you know, it's not even clear that she's doing good because science doesn't back her up at all, and whatever. And so, while I was researching that, I just became really fascinated by the divisions within 
uh, the community and how, you know, even, uh, you know, like how the, the industry around it had developed and how various doctors had um, made it their specialty and just how much tension there was between everybody and everybody else. Tension? And, uh, I, bet there, I bet there's money situations. There's a m- money, M-O-N-E-Y? Yeah, money. Yeah, right. There is. There's, there's a, a lot, lot of money. money going back yeah. and forth and people are trying to get the money and pe- other people, people are trying to get the money. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, so so anyway, so that's what I just thought that there was way too much there for the I mean we were at the time we were writing like, you know, two stories about autism a year and I thought that that was not really fair to the to the topic. And uh, and also I didn't want to write about families. I didn't really like that beat very much. What what is that? I mean, what is that? You go to someone's house and you're like, "Oh, you guys have you have a family." Yeah, let's write it. No, it it would be um, well, like at the time, this is this is crazy. Okay, so uh, like at the time, we had just launched this site called uh, OC Moms, which is a site that is dedicated to moms, and it's like kind of like a mom blog, except it's it's a little bigger because there's a bunch of people working on it, and yeah. and it's got money behind it. And I happened to join. I happened to get that job right as they were launching OC Moms, and they needed me to do that. Uh, and do a lot of it. Which they needed you to talk to some moms, huh? They did need me to talk to some moms. <laughs> but the problem is that, I mean, I had no no expertise whatsoever, and it was, um, like, I, I, it's not like I was well-suited to it. It was just they needed me, and I was around. And um, so I ended up getting uh, led a little bit away from my interests. You And you hung out with moms? I, I didn't hang out with as many moms as you would think. Uh, the fact that you wrote for OC Moms. Yeah, I uh, I ended up ha- I ended up hanging out with a lot of press releases. Oh, well that that happens too, I guess. Yeah, I guess. So sexy, did you, sexy press releases. Were you in? I assume you went. Did you? You said you you did this right when you came out of school. Did you major in journalism at school? Yeah, yeah, I did. I did. I've been doing it. I mean, I've been doing journalism since I was like. Uh, you know, like I, I mean, I had I, I've been I've been planning to be a journalist since I was in um, second grade. And, um, you know, so I did, I, yeah, like I did junior high newspaper and I did high school newspaper. I did college newspaper. I did, my first job was writing for the local paper, so. So you're, it's kind of a thing that you're just gonna do. And you're gonna, you're gonna probably continue doing it. Maybe, I don't know. We'll see. It's not a, it's, it's not a great industry. And I'm, I don't know. I don't really, I'm not really a journalist anymore. I do journalism a couple days a week when I go to the park. But most of what I write is not exactly journalism. It's more, but well, I don't know, something. also changing, right? I mean, isn't that a fact? Is it uh, the things that people want to know about? Because, like, a game report... Do game reports exist in the OC register? Yeah, yeah, every day. Um, yeah, which is fine, I guess. If there's an audience for that, that makes sense. But I, I would submit that at least among the, the Fangraphs readership, there's, there's no... There's no real interest in the game report, right? Yeah. Or, and, or, 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 you know, you might want to hear about the game, but I know, like, uh, so we have, you know, Joe Polakowski writes the Daily Morning After Post, or Craig Calcaterra right. at Hardball Talk. Yes. Does and that happened, and that's basically, that's what, that's what, uh, this what our particular community is interested in. Yeah, and and me too. I mean, it's not something that I would right. want to do. Right. I mean, so is there a shelf life on the game report proper? You know, or, or or is there a way that the talent can be allocated differently so that 
so that the reading remains fresh and relevant? Uh, yeah, I mean, there's no reason that the, the, the guys who are writing game stories right now, a lot of them do it because they really like they like doing it. And um, but they also, I mean, you've seen almost every beat writer who you know or who you know of, I mean, has changed the way he does his job a lot in the last two or three years. And that's just going to keep happening. I mean, every time an old person dies, the game report gets a little less relevant to the world. Um, and so eventually, yeah, they'll stop doing it. And that's okay. I mean, I don't know. I, I don't I don't think game reports have any particular value, but um, I don't know. I, I mean, I sort of have the suspicion. I actually kind of am of the uh, belief that eventually Major League Baseball teams are just going to phase us out completely and just go with their MLB.com writers. Um, well, I know that and- exists because I know that – so once a week I do like four hours of player notes for uh, Rotowire. Uh-huh. And and like so my responsibility in that context is to like write notes about um you know like lineups and lineup changes and this sort of thing so that so that fantasy owners kn- know who's playing on that given uh, on, on any given day. Mm-hmm. Um and yeah, so for example, lineups are frequently released just from the official Twitter feed um of of the team. Right, because you don't really need a reporter to do that. Yeah, well, you don't need. I mean, ninety percent of what uh, I mean, ninety percent of what I uh, you know of what we do in, and I guess I, I'm not talking about any particular writer. I'm just talking about in general. Yeah. Most of it is it's uh, coordinated release of information by the team, and a lot of times, um, like I would say, a lot of times, beat reporters actually do sort of know some information, and they they don't even run it because it hasn't been released by the team yet. I mean, it's it's a uh, it's it's an organized thing where the team releases information through that it wants paper, out there, through the paper, through the papers. And there's, I mean, it, you sort of, I don't know, you kind of look at that and wonder, well, why is the paper in there um, at all? Right. Uh, uh, so, well, there, this is what actually this goes back to Saber, this, the Saber conference, because this was one of the. Major panels was, I think, sort of the future of sports writing or something to that effect. And yeah, uh, Dave Cameron was on that, and so was the guy from Bloomberg. I'm sorry, I don't know their names, but this is something I'm sure an enterprising uh, listener uh, could Google uh, or look up via Wikipedia. Uh, but the guy from Bloomberg was there. The guy from the LA Times, the editor of the LA Times, was there. And uh, and so was actually uh, um, oh from. Sean Foreman. Sean Foreman from Baseball Reference, right? Yeah, yeah. And Cameron, uh, I think, totally legitimately suggested that there's going to be a lot of stuff that we don't need the papers for, and and I, I um, not not Sean, but the other two guys sort of took this as an opportunity to, you know, to to kind of, uh, you know, argue against his Cameron's point. In, in, in what was it maybe a semi disingenuous way they're like oh no what about this one story you know that had to be broken by a reporter which is which is fine but I, th- I think that's actually kind of the point I think Cameron's point would support that is that if you have talent you know if you have Sam Miller and Bill Plunkett on your um, on your staff then you use them to do you know you use them for their skills right as opposed to um, and, and of course, that's just two names. But I'm saying, like generally, uh, as opposed to, to using them as like a coordinated 
uh, you know, in, in conjunction with the team as a coordinated release of information. Yeah, I mean, I, I would think so. And, and I mean, I, I don't know. I've, I've gotten a little bit better at this, but I mean, I always find it very hard when I have to go out to the stadium, especially when I have to go out for a few days in a row, like um, like four or five days in a row. Uh, I, I really do find myself like dulling as I like by the second or third day. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm just I, I I you know you get uh, you're you're so focused on filling the inches that you're given. And no more than the inches that you're given. You know, you, they tell you exactly how many words you have for the next day, and you're focused on you know, going through the um, somewhat uh, predictable release of information. And you're sitting in the press box um, watching the game, um, and you just sort of like I don't know. It kind of feels like you're in this um, like concrete box where nothing else is getting to you. You know, you stop getting as much. Um, outside exposure to to the fans and to other writers, and uh, it does. I mean, I don't think this probably happens to a lot of beat reporters, but it definitely happens to me where I sort of stop. My creativity dissolves, and I start writing incredibly hacky game stories with um, like contrived leads and uh, and a couple of puns. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I'm always it's such a relief when I get to stop going, yeah, uh, and uh, start doing things that are a little bit more adventurous. Now, um, do, you, do you get along with the other B reporters that you come across? Is that a thing? I mean, are you one of those guys? Because you're a little bit younger, I would assume. I am a little bit younger than the main guys, but the they all have backups, and the backups are often quite young, especially now a lot of them are using, like, like MLB.com and ESPN uh, LA. I think both use interns or, uh, like, uh, I don't know, maybe they call just, like, five-year-old children. In the, uh, <laughs> they're they're uh, they're college types, and uh, so it's not. I mean, I'm I'm probably like more or less. Uh, I, I'm younger than than a lot of the guys who are around regularly, but um, no, I'm not. I, it's not like I'm the youngest person there by any means. Right. Um, but anyway, I I get along. I the more the more I I get along well with them. They're all very nice people. Um, the more. Uh, the more that I'm around, the more that they all. I mean, I think that um, what they respect and also what the team respects is just that you show up. Right. And so if you're there once, they think, you know, who's this guy who sits at his computer all day and then drops in once. Uh, but if you've been there, you know, 75 times, then they just sort of get used to you and think, oh, yeah, he's doing his job. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I get along with them fine. I think that there's, like, occasionally there are... Uh, Nasty comments made about me on my blog that um, are from the press box. <laughs> so, Wait, uh, well, you know, because the whole, uh, you know, like uh, the whole IP address, uh, IP address thing. Um, so, like, uh, there'll be a nasty comment, and, and if you check the IP address, it comes from the press box. Uh, and for a second, like, like I'll click, and, it, and it'll be from some like weird name, and uh, and I'll, I'll like, I'll go, Who, wait, who's this? And and I'll click on it. And the, the name right below it will be mine, and I'll be like, "What did I? Am I?" <laughs> and then I think that it's the, just, just just the press box, and we're using the same IP address. Oh no! Um, so sand is uh, terrible. And like, what what could you? What are you possibly saying that could be controversial? Or is it because you're using numbers? Or is it because you're making word clouds? Which which one is more sort of frequently derided? Uh, yeah, it's it's yeah, it's sort of. Uh, I don't know. I mean, it's hard to even say because I don't know who it is. I, like, I don't even know what the motivation is. 
But yeah, just general posts that are, um, I, I mean, a lot of, look, I'll be honest, a lot of what I do is, could be considered quite frivolous, um, and probably requires a lot more effort than a frivolous post desires, but I do it because it's amusing to me and I hope it's amusing to other people. And, uh, so I mean, I can see why, like, it would be annoying to see these sort of stupid posts about, um, like Getty Lee on the Angels blog. Uh, and so, I mean, it's not a, it's not a very common thing. I, I mean, I'm, I don't mean to imply that it's very common. And, and I do get along most, mostly with the people who are in the press box and, um. Well, here's the question though. What about the voice of Getty Lee? How, how did it get so high? I, I wonder, uh, if he speaks like an ordinary guy. Well, I know <laughs> I there's know one guy who knows him and he does. Oh, oh. man. Oh, man. Uh, what nerds. Yeah. We're nerds. The, uh, that's, that's, that whole situation's funny. Yeah, I guess, the, the thing is about, about that, is I, I understand, um, no, I'm not old enough to have felt threatened very often, and so I don't really know what that feels like, especially in terms of my career, because I've never had a career. I don't have, I actually, I really don't have a career, so I don't know what that feels like. And, and so, I um even though I'm sure I'm not very good at it, I try and remain open to the fact that there are ways that I don't feel now that I might feel someday, and I'm and that other people because they're older than me or have had different life experiences are feeling now. Um, so that's a thing that could be happening, I guess. Um, but the point th- that seems ob- obvious to me is that you're all writing about baseball. Which is useless. I mean, baseball in itself is useless. Which isn't to say um, it has no value, because I would argue that things that are useless have a great deal of value, because you because when you're participating, you're still there, right? Yeah, yeah. You're just yeah, you're so good. Enjoying. I get it. Yeah, yeah. But um, things that are useless have a great deal of value, because when you're enjoying them, you're enjoying them under no obligation. You know, you have uh, now. Obviously, if it's your job, that that's a different obligation. But people who are at home, the, you know, the people you're writing for who are enjoying, who are watching the Angels, no one requires them to enjoy the Angels. It's it's a pleasure to well, I don't know specifically that team, but it's a pleasure to <laughs> to watch baseball and and to talk about it with people in your community. Um, but it has no per it has no ultimate purpose beyond that, and that's. That's kind of the good thing, but it would strike me that the writing you do about it would reflect the uselessness, but the, the sort of the the ecstatic use, uselessness. You know, it's like look at this thing is useless, and we all love it. It's great. I don't know. I, but I guess there's a way of doing things. I, I mean, I mean, I'm it's you know, it's interesting. I mean, I I I think that uh, to to a lot of um, a lot of beat writers. Who, especially after um, many years and many um, many seasons, there's a um, there's a, a a roteness to the whole thing that they just see the same things happen over and over. They see the same stories. This you know the season starts, some things happen. The season ends, somebody celebrates. The season starts, some things happen, and they actually I think feel a lot I think that there's actually a sense among um, some of them I don't know if it's the norm or not but it might be uh, but there's a sense among some of them that that in fact you know that none of this does matter and in a way they resent 
the passions of fans who come onto the, you know, who come onto their stories and are so passionate and, um, and, you know, insult them or, uh, criticize them or make a big deal out of things that they're writing or make, you know, make too big a deal out of, um, you know, a B grade prospect or whatever. Um, and so there's a little bit of a tension between them and, and, uh, people who are excited about it. Um, and I don't know I think there's, there's some degree of, of, um, of us versus them between writers and readers of baseball. And I mean, I think that there probably is some degree of that for you as well. And for, you know, Dave Cameron and for any writer who, uh, you know, who, who sort of appreciates the fact that none of this matters and none of this is particularly serious and doesn't understand why people get so mad at them and say horrible <laughs> things about them in the comments. Oh. <laughs> yeah, well, there, that exists. Uh, the <laughs> well, let's talk. Let's talk. Uh, um, we haven't talked about baseball that much, but let's do that for a second. I mean, specific. Oh. Things yeah. that are happening with baseball. I believe that the Angels beat the Blue Jays tonight. Is that a fact? That is a fact. Do we know where the Angels are relative to the Rangers now? Yeah, we do. Well, the Rangers are up nine to nothing against Oakland, okay. so it looks as though uh, they're going to be awkward stay- when I post this in a week. But <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I would actually recommend you post it in four months. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we could just go back and reflect on it. Uh, so the Angels are two games behind the Rangers. Now that's so exciting. They will. Um, that also, kind of weird and exciting is that the team is only two games behind of a Ranger team that seemed stacked entering the season. In an, well, I don't know a single. I mean, I don't know a single person that thinks the Angels are as good as the Rangers, and I don't know a single Angels fan who isn't totally pessimistic about the team. There, I mean, the it, I the fans I talk to are largely. Uh, way more pessimistic about the team this year than they were last year, and l- last year's team was it missed first place by ten games, maybe eleven. So what's happening? I mean, is, is it is it it's Jared Weaver and Peter Borjos in center field, and uh, oh Howie Kendrick, I guess. You've named three players. You well, are a baseball writer. I am a baseball writer, but my point is like. Like I, I'm trying to think like how how if they are are they way over their heads, uh, uh, but, um, or are or if the Rangers just failed or no I mean I don't know the, the, I mean the, it's easy to focus on the things that have well for, I mean first off the Rangers haven't been uh, let, well let me see I, actually I don't think that's true anymore the Rangers have been playing are you well browsing and, the internet right now is that what's about to happen no I'm doing uh just doing a quick little math. Uh, probably. So yeah, the Angels are on pace to win. I mean, the Rangers are on pace to win 91 games, which is probably just about what you would have expected before the season. So yeah, are the Angels playing over their head? Well, they've gotten. Um, I mean, they've gotten obviously like this ridiculous year out of Weaver, and they've gotten a really good year out of um, out of Dan Heron, and they got a really. They've had a, a, a very good year out of Urban Santana, and so that that goes a long way. I mean, they've had they've had. Two awesome pitchers and one really good one, um, and I think that a lot of people focus on the fact that um, Vernon Wells is terrible and uh, Torrey Hunter's been not very good, and um, and that that sort of does overlook a little bit the fact that they've gotten um, pretty good performances out of 
um, all four of their infielders who share three spots, um, Isturis, Kayasco, Ibar, and Kendrick, uh, have all been pretty good. And um, it, it seems like at, at any given time, one of them is doing terribly, and um, and at least one of them is incredibly hot. And um, I mean, they're all they're all like average or better players, and um, so that that's made up for for some of the problems. But I mean, you never really know. In almost every year, you're kind of trying to figure out how the Angels did as well as they did. Um, and, uh, I mean, that's just one of the mysteries about this team and the run that they've been on the last, like, seven years. They, they're they never as good as their record ends up showing them to be. And, I mean, obviously they are, right? I mean, it's, it's, it's our problem. It's not their problem that we don't understand it. Um, but, uh, I mean, I don't know that anybody's ever really pinpointed why they – like for instance, outperform their run differential every year. I mean, I, I every it seems like I, I always see explanations, and then the next year the, the team does it in a totally different way. Uh-huh. Uh, like they've done it with terrible bullpens before. They've done it with great bullpens. They've done it with great pitching. They've done it with uh, teams that had great hitting and no pitching. And like uh, this year, they're. Uh, I mean, I think Dave Cameron might have um, written once. I might be wrong about this, but I think that uh, he wrote that they had uh, consistently done better in high leverage situations, and who knows why that is, but that's why they outperformed their their um, Pythag record, but this year they've done terribly in high leverage situations, and they're again outperforming their run differential, so I don't know, uh, it could just be uh, this crazy statistical quirk, uh, but um, I mean you always... Like if you do your projections for the Angels at this point, you just have to like figure out what how many you know wins they're going to have, and then just add two or three. That's and weird. That's about that's about what pace they're on right now. I mean, I, I think that they probably look like an 82 or so win team based on the projections, and they're on pace to win like you know 87 or something. So if they fall back to 84, 85, that's like basically the, the standard social bump. Yeah, and and, and it should be noted that. Um, Weaver and Heron really have been stupid good this year. Yeah, yeah, crazy good. Yeah, uh, they're good at baseball. Turns out um, they're good at half of baseball. They're really poor at the other half. At the hitting part. Yeah, but the Angels have not used them as hitters very often. That's smart. just smart that's management. Good. That's right. Yeah. That's just Mike. That's just Mike Smosha being. <laughs> just Mike Sosha being Mike Sosha. Uh-huh. Can I call him Mike Smosha, too? You can do it. Um, I would advise against it, seeing as your job uh, seems to depend on some manner of hey, accuracy folks. in that in that regard. Um, yeah. yeah, it's weird. Uh, it's that that whole team is yeah that team is weird. And then um, and I, I of course um, you get to watch Peter Borjos all the time. I do. What is that like? He just runs. He runs so fast. Yeah, he's he's the most. I mean, he's so fun. I mean, it's great. I I, uh, I I I mean, that's I think pretty clearly the best part of following the Angels this year, um, in my nerdy opinion, because um, he does he does all sorts of things that you just didn't expect. And um, I mean, yeah, I don't know. I mean, what's there to say? He runs really fast. Yeah, but that's that's he fun does, to watch, I guess. Yeah, it is fun to watch because you've seen fast guys before, but I don't know that I've ever seen anybody who looked fast like he does. Like he actually, like he's probably not particularly faster than Carlos Gomez, 
but like I've never been excited by Carlos Gomez, but Peter Borges, he, um, I don't know, he, he, uh, maybe it's his strides or something, but he looks fast. It's, it's, it's a lot of fun. It's very enjoyable. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. And it, and it, and it, Mike, they, they say Mike Trout is, is roughly as fast or, or just about as fast, but he was not fun for me to watch run. I, I didn't, I did not get a thrill watching him well, run he, the way he I He does definitely motor down the line, but he's not, yeah. Borges, you're right. It has a certain, it must be his strider is something to that effect, or maybe it's his because he's pretty slight of build. It, it could be, yeah. It could be that he's so little. That there's a there, there's an, a littleness about him that makes him slice through the air or something. This this is the like. I mean, I don't. I have nothing to contribute to this that anybody would be interested in. But he is fun to watch run. Right. No. But it's interesting. Like, it's something so basic, right? It's just the aesthetics of watching a person do what they do, um, and. You know, and like, how do you know? Like, it's 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 amazing that it's that hard to articulate. But I guess it's because it's so simple. You're like, yeah, watching him is ple- pleasurable to do. You know, yeah. But uh, it, it, there must be so many variables that go into it. You know that it, it. I mean, that's what makes it hard to articulate, I guess. Um, but yeah, ultimately, I guess ultimately, all you have to know is that it's fun, and that, and that hopefully you get to keep seeing him do that. I mean, that's, yeah, and. To recreate and he, the situation, he makes um, he makes the best play in in every series. I mean, uh, uh, give him three days, and and every three days he will make the best play uh, in the series. It's it's uh, it, like you you just never quite get used to it, and they're just constantly shocking us uh, with these catches. And um, do, he's, do you have he's any really off the top of your head, that, or you know, or or is that is that putting you? On, I you know, I understand if you don't, but. Like a particular catch? Yeah, catcher. I know he also has like a pretty. He's got a decent arm. Um, he's got yeah, he's got a very good arm. Yeah. Um, but there was yeah, there was one catch in particular. I think it was in Texas that I would say is above all the others. Um, where he uh, you know he sort of did like a modified Gary Matthews where he was jumping and turning and crashing into the wall at the same time. Mm-hmm. And I would say that that's probably the consensus best catch he's made. Um, home run. Home, and, home run saved. They, uh, yeah, it was a home run save. Yeah, okay. Uh, he had a, he had a really weird one, uh, a couple days ago where, uh, <laughs> like, Tory Hunter, <laughs> Tory Hunter dove for the ball, and, uh, and <laughs> didn't catch it, and <laughs> Peter Board just, just sort of ran behind him and caught it. Uh, and, it, like, I don't quite know the math of how that worked, uh, but it was, like, like, Tory Hunter dove. Yeah. Just missed it, and Peter Borges was right behind him and caught it on the run, like a shoestring catch. Um, and it's still like the the announcer actually said, and a and a great play by Hunter and Borges. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like he knew that the ball was not rolling to the wall, and he knew that everybody was uh, was running in various directions, and so something good had happened. Uh, but Some sort of Borges, teammate, teammate situation. Created this play. It was a weird play. It yeah. was. A, it was. Well, maybe we can. So that, uh, I, that's kind of. I, I don't know. That's that's one of my personal favorites. But really, that's just the most recent one. Yeah. No. No. That's that's good. So uh, we'll, we'll let you go here momentarily. But I guess um, I just want to figure out what's what uh, what you're going to do after this. Not like after we get off of um, the the. The, uh, phone uh, you're saying, what am I going to do after I write about baseball? 
Yeah, I don't know about right. Or I don't know. Maybe you'll keep writing about baseball. But maybe you'll do it. Or like, what what do you sort of see as your your project now? Um, being a, I mean, maybe it's being a dad. Maybe it doesn't have to do with that. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I um, I used to know, and I don't know anymore. I mean, I, uh, I mean, I would, I would, and I feel like in a way that my job is is unsustainable. That they they won't keep paying me forever. Um, and uh, so, so like, I mean, I, I, I don't, uh, like, I just don't really plan that far out because of the uncertainty. And I mean, I used to know what I wanted to do and where I wanted to go and all that, but I don't have so much faith in um, in the journalism industry anymore. And so, I've actually been kind of thinking about that, and I don't really have an answer for you, Carson. Now, um, just anecdotally, do you think that it is also a product of of age, I, I, I'm not saying you're you're what like right, you're like right around thirty, right? I am around thirty, yes. Like how? I'm thirty-one. You're thirty-one. All right. Um, do you think it because it? I think like when you're younger, it's easier to have like this sort of this ambition because you you don't see the the nuances of certain things, you know. But as you get older, you start to be like, oh well, this, you know, like everything everything has these nuances that you didn't know about when you were younger, and you start to realize that that you know external things can't really satisfy you. That it, you know it has a lot to do with who you are, and so you don't maybe get as excited about you know this or that thing that you could be doing. And yet at the same time, you realize that you know you know obviously having a job is important, and having a project that you care about is important. So it's just a different set of variables. So I can understand how it's like for the, you know for the first time you don't necessarily know what you want to be doing, but I assume you don't want, you don't want to do nothing, and you also don't want to end up in a ditch. Right. I yeah. I don't no. want you to end up in a ditch. What if that's my ambition? Uh, to di- to dig ditches. Well, that's different. Digging them. I meant just sort of being in them and sort of uh, permanently in there. Disrobed. Yeah. <laughs> I uh, no. I think you're absolutely right. I think that that's an experience that everybody uh, goes through where they uh, they they lose their ability to be ambitious. Uh, you, you reach a point where you realize that um, that you don't have something that it takes to to uh, you know to be um, you know the next like Philip Roth or something like that. You, and you know, like you you simply don't have the follow through usually, right? I mean, it's um, yeah. But even if you, you end up as Philip Roth, I was just listening uh, today. I was listening to. Um, Mark Maron's WTF episode or interview. Did he have Philip Roth? Tell me no, he had Philip Roth. Get out of here. No, but I was listening to his his his, his interview with uh, Robin Williams, and it was interesting because Robin Williams was, you know, Robin Williams has, has he's never really been far away from stand up, and this is this is an older episode, I, uh, but but he came back to you know, but he's saying he does, it doesn't matter, like you have all the stuff, but you know you're still there with yourself. You can't prevent that from happening. You know you're never yeah. Insulated from, um, you know, from boredom essentially. And, oh, right. And and I I don't think so. You know, I, I don't think that Phil, like if you I don't think you sit home if you're Philip Roth. I don't think you sit home and be like, oh, I'm Philip Roth. I don't have to do anything. No one feels that way. No, but I'm, but, but but Philip Roth knows what he's going to be doing in five years, um, right? Because he's he's his ambition was to write great novels, and he wrote them, and so he keeps doing that. Yeah, but but no, but what if he just? I think it would be hard because if I'm Philip Roth, I know that I wrote Goodbye Columbus, 
and I know that, but I but is your last novel as good as Goodbye Columbus? Right. That would be yeah. that, isn't that worse? Kinda. You don't think that's kind of uh, well? Worse? You, if, no, it is if you're especially if you're not in the right frame of mind. I mean, it doesn't have to be worse. No, you're um, right. It doesn't have to be worse, but but it could be worse. It could be worse because yeah. like oh, I was groundbreaking and important, and now I'm a person. I am a great American author, capital G, capital A, capital A. But but who knows right, if that has any? What's that? You're still gonna die. You're still gonna die, but who knows if that has to do with what you're doing now? You know, that's something you did, but you're not doing it now. How long does it last? Mm-hmm. I don't know. These are uh, big. These are big questions. But whatever. You know, I I don't know. I like talking with you, uh, Sam Miller. I think you're uh, you're a good uh, you're a good sports writer. You're a good uh, tw- uh, you- tweeter. Or what I don't know what the term is. Uh, and having met you now, I know that um, you're both a fan of the sport and you're you're also thoughtful about it. But without being, you know, either pedantic or uh, or you know, you know, not mopey. You just seem like yeah, I like thinking about it. and I like being playful. I think that's important. Oh, well, thanks. I mean, uh, thanks, Carson. And I would say that um, I mean I've been in a in a really good place the last uh, couple months. And I, uh, I mean, a, a big part of that is that um, it has really been satisfying to connect with people whose work I admire and get positive response back from them. And I think that's probably my ambition at that point is just to continue to um, to actually to actually produce things um, and to not get uh, you know to not be paralyzed by uh, by fear or inertia or whatever the case may be, but to actually do things and connect and to um, feel like um, people appreciate it. Yeah, so and you know what we didn't even, you know what we didn't, and I, I'll regret it. But we can do it the next time we have you on is talk about Grant Brisby uh, from McCovey Chronicles, and because right. I know that he's important to you, and I think probably Jeff Sullivan has become important to you as well from Lookout Landing. Um, so we could talk about those guys uh, the next time we have you on. But um, but for now, we'll let you get back to your uh, your life there on the left coast and. And uh, we'll make this a podcast, you know, and it'll be up. Uh, so, so people will be listening to this. Uh, this would be December twelfth. Awesome. Awesome. All right. Hey, hey. Uh, someday, what's that? Do you think someday, Do you think someday Grantland will do an oral history of this podcast? You and I. <laughs> I think this is important. I think if you look at sort of great recorded uh, works, or just great sort of. Uh, Public instances of speech. You'll have uh, four, four score and seven years ago. Uh, <laughs> then you'll have this, and then you'll have the, you know, Ickine Berliner or whatever. Is, you know, yeah, it's somewhere around there. I, that's I'm just spitballing here. I don't have the, I don't have all of them right in front of me. Awesome. Yeah. Hey, but no. Uh, thanks a lot for thanks a lot for joining us slash me um, on the uh, podcast and uh, and keep. You know, yeah, I would say if you can, uh, Sam, be fearless. You know, and it, I don't. You know, I would say uh, keep trusting yourself, and I, I'm sure I'll continue to enjoy your work. And uh, my my bet is that other people will too. Oh well, thank you, Carson. I I really appreciate it. And uh, likewise, you have a great many admirers, and 
and I'm uh, I'm absolutely one of them. Yeah, well, I appreciate it. I was I was fishing for that. In any case, uh, now that I've been complimented, that will end the show. That has been Sam Miller. Thank you, Sam, for joining us. Uh, I have been, and will continue to be Carson Stooley. And uh, this has been a, uh, a actually a thoughtful uh, and uh, satisfying edition of Fangraphs Audio. Thank you. Thank you.